What connects flying cars, Antarctica, sailboats and entrepreneurship? Let's go beyond with Heather Wilde, the eighth employee of Evernote. She's also known as the Unicorn Whisperer. She's published games for Disney, the WWE and Paramount, trained Fortune 500 brands, advised hundreds of startups, and managed non-profit programs for Alcon, Starbucks, Patagonia and others. Wilde has received commendations for her work from the US government, as well as awards for mentor, coach, female executive, entrepreneur and CTO of the year, and being named top writer on Quora. She writes for Forbes, Tech.co and the Entrepreneurial Revolution column for Inc. Magazine. Let's go beyond with Heather Wilde. Go beyond, beyond your horizons. Here we are with uh, Heather. Heather, welcome to Volandino's Spacecraft and thank you for connecting today. Thank you for having me here. That looks like a really great spacecraft you have. It's pretty great, a little bit little, it's a little bit small. Uh, and that's why actually I'm super interested uh, to talk with you because you have a lot of uh, great experience uh, living in uh, challenging and right, stressful and little environments uh, during your life as an entrepreneur, right? Um, but uh, before we go, before we go into all of that, I want to begin with something else because uh, you told me that you recently organized a conference about flying cars. Is that right? Yes, yes well, that's well, true. I'm super curious about that. So, you know, before we go into a lot of uh, super fascinating topics about uh, entrepreneurship, about how to deal with the, with, you know, with the stress, with communication issues, uh, with living as a digital uh, nomad which um, a lot of people are super interested in. Let's go for a bit into this flying cars stuff because, you know, from my point of view, flying cars is a bit like uh, fusion energies. Like it's always 20 years away, right? So, you know, I'm a complete uh, beginner in this topic. Could you tell us what is the current status of the flying car industry and when is it going to become, uh, you know, like more spread around and everything? Yeah. Well, flying cars, uh, we were promised flying cars by 2000, you know, like, Sorry. and I grew up with uh, a ca cartoon called the Jetsons. Uh, I don't know if it made it over <laughs> yeah. to, to Spain uh, or I into think, space, I think I've heard, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, the year of the Jetsons was 2062. So we're wow. actually getting, getting there pretty quick. Right. So if, if, uh, if, if the world of the Jetsons can exist by 2062, then uh, that would be pretty cool, right? I think we could make it by, uh, you know, another 40 years. Yeah, Yeah, right? Um, um, now, also in a, in a movie called Blade Runner. Um, oh, I love Blade Runner. I'm a huge yeah. yeah. Now, that was 2019, and they had yeah, that was 2019, cars. exactly. Yeah, so... Um, so somewhere between 2019 and, and 2062, okay. we're supposed to have flying cars. Uh, and, okay. uh, so I've been working with the U.S. Air Force, and mm. uh, they kind of noticed that, that, that movies have gotten ahead of where the world is. Mm. So uh, they've been trying to catch up. They want, they want that reality, too. 
And mm. uh, so the actual, what's actually happening in flying cars is there, there are companies around the world um, mm. in the U.S., in China, in Spain, in France, uh, uh-huh. uh, in, all around that are creating the components and also the full-on cars that, okay. that will be so whenever you oh, see so, a little, so this is happening they are building yeah, them it is it is happening um there and right now is actually the perfect time for these companies to be out there and testing with with like fewer people on the road uh fewer yeah. planes in the air um hmm. and and what they look like are um right now uh they look like anything from small uh well larger drones uh yeah, that, larger drones okay yeah larger drones that can Uh, hold just like maybe a package uh, like a big box to okay. to a like a helicopter like an automatic helicopter where that, people can go inside yeah that people can go in and ah. um so by the end of the year the air so force does, has so they, they don't look like you know the fifth element the movie the fifth element. oh yeah 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 so because in the fifth element they look like cars basically so right. they don't well, look like cars right Uh, some of like them, yeah, they, they, they look like, uh, they, they do look like, some of them look like DeLoreans because... Oh, DeLoreans, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. But, but they do have to have like wings, like above them. Oh, like So wings. they look more like, uh, they, they look more like helicopters because they have to, yeah. they're just big, big drones. Like big, big drones. Yeah. And what is, you know... So the Air Force want they, they want to have it. People want to see it. I mean, what is what are the like like the, the target case studies? I mean, why do they want to have it? What is the objective? Where where do they see these uh, flying cars being useful? So there's there's a bunch of different case studies uh, mm-hmm. and, and use cases for these right now. Um, one of the the things that I asked them last week uh, in our conference, and you can actually find uh, the the video for this entire conference online at agilityprime.com. Uh, oh, that's very interesting. Is it agility? Agilityprime.com. Okay. Yeah. We'll put it on the uh, description of the video. Okay. Yeah. So um, one of the things that that we asked them was, what are the use cases? Like, because obviously yeah. they're they're not. It's it's not going to be a taxi service right away. Yeah, uh, we're we're not going to be able to be like, hey, like drone, come to my house and take Unfortunately, me. Unfortunately, yeah. but um, in some cities, that is one of the use cases. So um, oh. in in cities like Dubai, where there's helipads on almost oh. all of the the buildings. Oh yeah, that's right. They are going to be doing that as wow, well. Wow, like taxis. Yeah. Wow, and, that's amazing. That, so um, so probably by 2022. Uh, you'll be yeah, as that soon. No way, really? That soon? Wow, that soon. Yeah, you'll be seeing these. Um, you'll just be able to open up your Uber and call in Uber Air and oh wow, go up Uber to the top Air. of the building and wait for your drone to come and take you to wherever. Oh, that's super cool! Wow. Yeah. Um, another wow. another major use case uh, that they're testing right now in California is um like automated delivery of uh ppe so uh they're loading uh the personal protection equipment oh the personal protection equipment like for the yeah 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 yeah. so um because it's uh it's like dangerous to go into hot spots 
Um, mm. Like they're actually using these these cars automated, and they're having drone controllers. Like I mean, pi drone pilots. Not even in like sometimes they're loading them with with um, one person in them, but mm -hmm. that person doesn't need to be a pilot. They can they can just be like a medical professional. Uh, oh, they're, yeah. they're having them in there and then they're loading them up with, with equipment and then sending them into a place that they couldn't get to otherwise. I mean, that is a fantastic use case. I mean, that, that a lot of people wouldn't think, uh, you know, immediately about it. Now, a lot of people will be wondering initially uh, how risky it's going to be to get into one of these flying cars, you know? Is it well, no? considering that the batteries only, uh, like each battery can only go for a certain amount. So um, huh. uh, that was another question that I asked uh, one of these drone manufacturers, one of these flying car manufacturers. Yeah. And uh, like, well, so I, I was specifically talking to eVTOL manufacturers. So like the, uh -huh. the electric ones. And the electric ones. Uh, they, they, have, they have to put 18 batteries on them so that uh, 18 they have batteries to, are these like lithium or what is the technology uh, it's a very it's a proprietary battery that they're proprietary, using okay. yeah, yeah and they have and of those the like six of them are redundant on purpose so that if oh. one of them goes out then the, the, it doesn't die and then yeah. it's also built as a road or like as a glider oh. so that if somehow they lost all of them then it still doesn't that's very good as a glider yeah. that's very good yeah okay so, well, that uh, at least you can glide, yeah. If if they break down, exactly. Okay. But they they're um, but that's why they're testing. That's why they're in yeah. testing right now. And the challenge, um, they're they're doing air race challenges. Uh, Ooh, so the Air cool. Force, like at, at that Agility Prime site that you'll find, um, hmm. the Air Force has has a challenge out that like they want very specific things, but they want flying hmm. cars by the end of this year. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, I think it's a dream for a lot of people, and I, I didn't think it would be so so close, so near. So this is great news, actually. Yeah, uh, and it's open to worldwide. It's not just a U.S. initiative because we so know the technology and everything. Uh, many many countries will be able to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we but, know that this is not something that we can do ourselves, and mm. it, like the technology will be something that the whole world can use. So. That's interesting. So is it, is it happening now because of uh, improvements in different technology areas that are converging altogether? Or? Yeah, so uh, it's Moore's Law. We've gotten to the point yeah. where uh, we, we're finally mm. able to create uh, mm. things. And, and even as we're creating them, technology is getting smaller and better. And, and we know that the stuff that we're creating this year is, is going to be obsolete two years from now. But it's the time mm. to get started. Fantastic. Okay, well, this uh, there couldn't be a more exciting intro to this conversation. So uh, we take your word, 2022. Of course, we know that it, it may not be, but uh, we, we will look forward to that. Okay, now let's go into something, you know, that I think a lot of people can get benefit from. You know, you have this tremendous experience as a digital nomad and dealing with uh, a lot of things that uh, many people have to deal with, stress and, you know, communication issues and uh, difficult environments to live in and to work on. So let's begin with change. As a digital nomad, you are very used to change for sure. Um, how important do you think that change is in our lives? A change of surroundings, of stimuli, a change in general. What is the role of change for you? Change 
is really important uh, in general because when whenever you're stuck, mm-hmm. you have to do something to break you out of of wherever you're at. So there there's something called um, oh for the for the life of me I can't remember what the entire process is, but uh, mm. you there's it's you have to to remember that there's uh three different processes that your brain goes through whenever you're mm-hmm. growing and there's focus language and physiology and all okay. focus these, language and physiology okay. focus language and physiology and that's all those things are different change processes so mm-hmm. like all throughout a day like we're either focusing thinking about something mm-hmm. using language to to speak mm-hmm. or, or talk through something or write through something or mm-hmm. using our physiology, our body in some way. And these yeah. are all different change states. Interesting. And yeah. if ever we're, we're stuck on something, if we're, we're plateauing in our life or even in just one day, mm-hmm. if we move to one of those other parts of that, that triad, then we can move forward. Well, that's very interesting. So moving between those three factors can help you get unstuck uh, when you get stuck in, in a specific situation. Huh. Yeah. So if you think about it, just apply that to your life as a whole. Think mm. about like when you go to school for something. Yeah. In, in school, it, that's a time of focus. So, yeah. so like when, when you're, you're focusing on something, then they make you use language to, to think about what you have been focusing on, yeah. to repeat back what you've learned, and that's a growth cycle. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, it it moves you from that that navel gazing, that that pensive like I've been thinking about this, I've been thinking that's about focus. this, and then you you repeat it back to them to to show that you've grown. And mm. we do this all throughout our lives. So as I said, change is extremely important to help us move throughout our lives. That's very interesting. So I, I guess in the same way, if you are very focused, 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 then to move, uh, to change, to start using your body, your physiology, like doing sports or something, is obviously another way of unstuck, yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. very interesting. So now becoming conscious of change. Uh, everything is changing constantly, right? But uh, many times we are not aware of this moment-to-moment change that is happening. Um, in your opinion, as an expert in these uh, topics, uh, First of all, do you think that is necessary to be conscious of how everything is changing all the time? First of all, is it really necessary? And second, if it is necessary, uh, how can we become more conscious of this ever-present change that is happening everywhere, all around us and within us? Um, I think that there's a level at which you can be aware of it and is healthy. Mm-hmm. And a level that is unhealthy. So mm-hmm. if you are stuck in that focus, if you're stuck in paying attention to overanalyzing, yeah. yeah, if you're overanalyzing, if you're spending time like reading news and going down a rabbit hole of of just I have to read this and I have to pay attention to that and and you just can't get out of your your headspace, mm. then uh, that is unhealthy. Um, you you have to move. Mm from one so, of these 
So how do you reach the right balance between being conscious but not too conscious, right? Yeah, a lot of times when you are in too much of... uh, it, It can be very hard if you yourself have gone over the edge and you actually mm. will need us. You need an accountability partner for that. You'll need yeah, someone you need somebody else, else. Yeah. to pull you out. Um, when, when you've gotten good at noticing your own patterns and mm-hmm. it's hard from the beginning, it is really hard to do that on your own when you start yeah. uh, as a, like I actually am trained as a, as a coach as well. And nice. one of the first things that they have us do when we're, we're training ourselves and then to train other people is to mm-hmm. start writing things down, right? Start an emotion journal. Like, uh-huh. what are your triggers? What are you doing throughout the day? What made you feel this mm-hmm. way at this time? So if you start to feel angry about mm-hmm. something, then mm-hmm. like the moment that you felt angry, then you had to write down. You become conscious, you write it down. Yep. And then, and then throughout the day, you start and throughout like an entire week or month of doing this, then mm-hmm. you notice like, oh, well, I, I started to feel hungry when I started to feel angry when I started to feel happy mm-hmm. when, and then you find patterns. Mm-hmm. Very nice. But, but it's, oh, and, and then you also say, I started to feel annoyed when I had to open my journal again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's good. Like when you try to do a diary as well, the same thing. So exactly. do, you think, do you think this exercise though is, uh, I, I find it very interesting. Do you think that uh, people would benefit then, right? Of, of like taking notes of, uh, right, okay, I got really angry today. Okay, I don't want to forget. Let's, let's know down why I got so angry today, right? Okay. Absolutely. And, and right now, like, especially if you're isolated and a lot of the world is isolated. I'm super um, isolated here. I have yeah, to do it. Especially so many people or even yeah. the people that aren't isolated, the people that are, are finding themselves surrounded by a family that is normally at school during the day or at work during the day, and they don't know yeah. why they're feeling all these feelings. Like being able to write down, like, I'm now annoyed and I don't want to take it out on someone else. Um, I can take it out on a piece of paper. Very good. I, I really, I love it. I love it. Okay, now what about... Uh, we are all worried about the stress and, and everybody says stress is so bad for our health. Uh, now you've gone through, I mean, we know it, digital nomads, uh, a lot of movement, a lot of change, a lot of stressful situations. Now, um, what part, I mean, do you find any part of the stressful times that you've gone through a beneficial in any way? Is there, is there, are there benefits, you know, what benefits can we find in those stressful times in your view? So there, years ago, my, mm-hmm. um, my husband, uh, ex-husband now, but uh, it mm-hmm. parted amicably. This was, this was actually a good part of our relationship. Um, <laughs> we had found that uh, we were actually starting to drift apart. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to work on our relationship. And yeah. part of the thing that we decided to do was to uh, move away from that big house that we had and uh, mm-hmm. the normal life that we had and move on to a sailboat. And the same boat, yeah, that's, that's yeah, and and you you can't avoid each other when you're yeah, you're all packed to yeah, yeah no, all the experts saying right that for any relationship to be 24/7 together is a, like the most challenging thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and what we found was we genuinely liked each other. 
Like oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, okay. I mean, we that's like the biggest test, right? If in, yeah. if in that situation it works, it's because it works. Basically. Yeah, we trusted and supported and and loved and genuinely liked the other person. And we had never had this opportunity before. We'd actually, wow. like when we got married, we'd lived apart because of his job and we'd never gotten the time to, to be together. And we got to know each other really, really well. So um, wow. from then on, like in our entire, the rest of our marriage, we actually were like in the sailboat, then we were in an RV uh, and then we were traveling around in hotel rooms together. So being in that crucible, that, that like small bit, like, that was probably the best thing, but we've also noticed now during, and he's a good friend of mine still, like we, we, may, be, we may not be married anymore, but we are still good friends and we still work together. Um, but the, we've noticed now that so many people are having trouble in that exact same situation, yeah. that they're not friends with the person that they're with. Yeah. And they don't have yeah. that trust. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, are you, do, do you mean in that, same situation of being together uh, in a small right? confined place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I think that is the most, unfortunately, is the most normal result because, uh, because you know, to be 24 seven or, or continuously together uh, and make it work, you really have to have good com compatibility, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. So that connects with the next question. I mean, uh, when, when, <laughs> when, uh, when there is no, maybe such, perfect compatibility and, and stressful things happen during that uh, living together continuously or whatever. Um, what, I mean, have you learned any tricks uh, or, or anything that helps you to deal with the inevitable for many people? Uh, stressful yeah. Moment? So uh, uh, years ago, um, I was working with a company called Evernote and uh, Evernote. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So we were one of the, so me and my husband, we're part of the founding team of Evernote. And wow, I, I've yeah. used Evernote. They're a great product. Thank you. <laughs> and and uh, we were actually building that company while on the sailboat and, wow. and, and while wow, traveling around. Amazing. So like, while our, so making sure that our relationship was good was really helpful because our work was so stressful. And, mm. and it was, it was really important that, uh, like every day when like I was feeling work stress or he was feeling work stress that we were mm -hmm. able to, to handle that um, and speak yeah. to each other about that. But mm -hmm. um, a couple of years into it, we had a security breach and, Ooh. and it was one of the largest at the time, 50 million users were affected. Wow. 50 and, million. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, something that was really difficult was I blamed myself like i oh. actually felt that it was my fault yeah that the breach had happened mm -hmm. and unfortunately like if we hadn't gone through what we'd gone through like living on the boat and and got it, getting to know each other the me before that would have kept that inside and not told him about it mm. but because we because i had all that stress and like now we had that trust I was able mm -hmm. to tell him that I was going through that. Trust. And he was able to yeah. just turn right around and be like, you're an idiot. This has yeah. nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. Oh, well, that's wonderful. When, it, you know, when there is that trust, is, is beautiful. Uh, so what you are telling us, I think this is very, very, very interesting, is that if you have developed good trust with, the, you know, with your loved ones or with people close to you, 
when those stressful times happen, uh, it's going to be easier because of that. But if you don't have that trust, as you say, you may not feel compelled to share uh, certain things. That's powerful. Yeah. And you need to be able to talk to anyone because if I hadn't been able, if I hadn't done that, then I would have spiraled. Like you said, I would have kept all of that in. Yeah. And who knows how, how, how much of a dark place I would have gone to. Yeah, exactly. So, so cultivating those personal relationships uh, in a deep way is super important uh, when, when times are good because eventually times may turn darker. Very, very interesting. And, you know, when you were living in the sailboat and in the RV, um, a lot of people have dreamt with doing something like that and maybe they are scared of doing it, you know, or whatever. Uh, what, what, uh, what are the pros and cons for you? Pros and cons of living in places like uh, RB, sailboat, you know? So, um, th well, the, the major con that a lot of people say about living in an RV is you have to empty your own toilet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, definitely. The, the, I, I guess... Uh, but I can tell you it's not so bad. I mean, you just after the first time you've done it, just remember the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, that I have to do the same thing in the space. Exactly, you know, exactly. Same issue. Astronauts, the same thing. Yes. Yeah, um, and same on a boat. Like you, but the uh, uh, you know, interestingly, again, living living that way, uh, you learn to be creative with your resources. You yeah. you learn like I only have a certain amount of of food and water and and all of these things, and I have to make it work until the next time I can get to land or to the next town or wherever. And um, for somebody that, that grew up having access to like all the restaurants and, and grocery stores whenever I wanted them, like this yeah. was invaluable. Um, but so, so being able to, to know like, oh, I only have this much water and no more. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 that, so those restrictions, in a way, do you think that they actually, you know, like, like make your mind uh, more creative, they make it grow more, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I can do so much with a can of salmon now that... <laughs> ah, like Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, I never, I never even knew that you could buy salmon in a can before I, I lived <laughs> Wow, I love it. You know, I mean, personally, I love uh, adventure and travel and everything. You just make me travel with my imagination now when you, when you say these things. You should write a book. Did, did you write a book? I have, I have written a book. It's uh, in publishing right now. Okay, we, we have to, we'll put the link also in the, in the video description. It's when, not published yet. It is. When it comes out, we, we'll add it. We'll add it. <laughs> well, well, that is fascinating. Okay, so those are, those are the pros, like, you know, those kind of like hygiene and blah, blah, blah. And uh, those are the cons, sorry. And, and then the pros? Yeah, the pros. The pros are like, so honestly, every time I think about my my time living on the boat, living mm. in the RV, um, living, I mean, just flying all around the world, like I always go back to there's there's this beauty in in enjoying the world and seeing oh, how yeah, yeah how I totally share that yeah lovely it is like in january of this year i organized uh the first ever technology conference in antarctica wow okay well that's that's awesome okay you well, have to tell us a bit about that and, and i mean and like i just have this like why not attitude about travel because like the Amazing. world is just it's just a thing that you can travel to and and 
And I have that in me now because why not go somewhere? And and then like taking 40 people with me to Antarctica and Uh for some of them, it was like their first trip out of the country. We had as young as nine years old or eight years old with us. First trip out of the country to Antarctica. First trip out of the country and their parents took them with us to Antarctica. And like when they saw... when they saw penguins swimming through the water like dolphins and and like 500 feet tall glaciers uh and all of us like we had no words we were just looking at the beauty of this planet and it's just majestic to to see what's out there and that's that's what i love that's just being there with, with no one. Like I remember one time on my sailboat in Mexico, we were out on the water. Um, we, it was only like four hours away by sail from, from, uh, La Paz. Uh, so it's like in the, the sea of Cortez, we were, we were just sailed. Uh, we were just in a little cove. There was nobody else there. We had music playing through the speakers and, the, it was about dusk, so the, the sky was just a little bit bluish, salmon-y color. And, and then um, I looked out onto the water horizon, and then up came a little bit of a ridge of a blue whale. And that's all wow. you ever see of one. But yeah, it was just okay. us and a whale. And then, a, and then like a little baby calf comes up next to it. And, wow. and that moment was just for us. And that, there's so many of those that you get to experience if you travel, if you, yeah. if you go out. And yeah, there's, there's seven and a half billion of us on this planet, but so many people don't ever get to experience anything beyond their own world, their own little town. And that's a shame to me. It is. I mean, I, I, you've described it so beautifully. I, I mean, I totally share that because uh, most magical moments uh, I can remember are those moments in which you just feel the wonders of of life itself, the universe, all this, all the unique diversity of Earth and everything that it has, wonderfully described. I mean, just uh, really deep. Wow. Um, whoa, I mean, and this Antarctica, uh, this Antarctica conference. I mean, is this is this. Uh, you know, this drive that you have, this is very interesting because it connects with the next question. This drive that you have to always, you know, go beyond, which connects with the name of this podcast. Uh, you know, because I was going to ask you, the entrepreneur, is it born or is it made? Do you have to have a certain personality to become an entrepreneur like you? You know, a lot of people will be fascinated by the things you are telling us. And myself, you know, I've lived in Silicon Valley six years, being an entrepreneur for a very long time. Uh, have so many friends, entrepreneurs, but a lot of people who want to become an entrepreneur or uh, or who listen to entrepreneurs like you will be wondering, right? I mean, uh, do I have to be born with a certain attitude or personality or can I develop something like that? What do you think? Um, so it's interesting. Like I've, I've worked with a lot of, a lot of different people that have started companies and, mm-hmm. um, I, I always like to say I'm I'm more of a Benjamin Franklin. Like I'm the person that will enable people to to be mm. as entrepreneurial as okay. as they can be. Enable, yeah. Yeah, I'm not 
the all in kind of person. Okay. Okay. Uh, so for, for you to be an entrepreneur, like for you to be the classic entrepreneur, the classic, yeah, you, you, you yeah. need to go all in yes. and, and be that gambler. And that, that's not me. I'm, okay. I'm before I got that boat, I already had like a year and a half of savings in the bank before I could go. And then I also had like a job that I could work remotely so that I could pay but, for but my I think life. I think you're hinting at something very interesting that also from my, the perspective of my experience as an entrepreneur, I think there are two kinds of entrepreneur actually. <laughs> because, no, because I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm the kind you are describing as well. Because, you know, I've, I've known entrepreneurs of the all-in kind, you know, which uh, I know them, they are very successful now and they are able to live with two pennies uh, in the bank. <laughs> and passing days in the house of their mothers, you know, whatever, and then it works somehow, you know, and the ones that don't work, you'd never hear about them because maybe whatever. But, and then there, are, there is the other kind which exists, which a uh, more cautious kind of entrepreneur, uh, more, more like, you know, moderate in a way. But I think they are both uh, valid perspectives, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, I think that the world definitely needs, like, the capitalist kind of entrepreneur that can mm. afford to put money into whatever the all in guys are doing because they can't live on their mom's couches forever. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not the one that comes up with the idea in the first okay. place. I'm the one yeah. that will help you take that idea and make it a little less crappy. <laughs> which, is, which is always more important, actually. I mean, we all know that, right? We all know that it's how you implement the ideas and not the ideas themselves. What and and I, I think that there's, like you said, there's room for both. So if, if yeah. you're hearing, like if anyone that's listening to this is hearing a little bit of either of that side yeah. in this, then yeah. And, and then there's also the room for the person that is even more conservative than, than you and I, that, yeah. that is like, I am... I would never in a million years put money into something that wasn't proven because we yeah. need those things, those people. Of course we need those people yes. because whenever yes. I'm going in and talking to someone and saying like, Oh, I have this thing and they're coming back and telling me, uh, show me how many people have bought it. Show me how those are entrepreneurs too. Those yeah. are, those are the capitalists that keep That's our, right. our engine going. So, that's right, venture, venture capital and all this stuff. Yeah, well, that's very interesting that the perspective. We, we need a, a bit of all of them. You know, we need the combination between uh, probably a system wouldn't sustain itself with just one of these styles. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Um, okay, now, uh, it's very interesting that you said that you're a coach as well, you know, because uh, let's go beyond in relation to the topic of living in small spaces like you've lived. But we can live in small spaces physically and also in our minds, right? Uh, many people are feeling trapped, trapped in repetitive thinking cycles, trapped in repetitive uh, patterns in their minds. Uh, you're a coach, so can you give us your perspective on, on how can we expand our internal mental spaces, uh, mental and physical in creative ways, but more the mental now? So I, I know this sounds a little bit, crazy um mm -hmm. but i hey steve jobs said uh here's to the crazy ones right yeah. so um so i always tell people the best way to expand your mind is to read or watch science fiction 
Oh, to read or to watch science fiction. I yeah. love it. Um, my yeah. my personal avatar, like the 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 idol that I've always had, is H.G. Wells, um, because Wells, yeah. not, not only was he one of the best sci-fi writers of all times, but mm -hmm. he also had like over a hundred patents before he died. So wow, like, the things that his mind were able was able to create and and think about. Like he was able to, he was saying like, I bet this will happen someday, not in my yeah. lifetime. The technology doesn't exist, but it's going to happen. So if you read science fiction, if you even love the Marvel movies, just mm -hmm. think about it. Like we already have Iron Man suits. We have these VR like displays with HoloLens like that, that Tony Stark does. Like when I go and talk into schools, like I ask kids, what are their, who is their favorite superhero? And then I'll go and I'll tell them like how they can, like what actual modern technology they can use to make that superhero suit if they were. Wow, smart. that's cool. So when I was a kid, I loved Star Trek and mm -hmm. some kid that was the generation before me also loved Star Trek and that's why we have cell phones. So Like, That's so beautiful. So everything begins with uh, this kind of inspiration that many times it becomes a reality afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, beautiful. I mean, Blade Runner, flying cars. Yeah. And <laughs> the Jetsons. With the flying cars, the Jetsons yeah. and everything. So fantastic. So from those inspirations begin uh, potential things that change the world. That's beautiful. Uh, now, going back to you as an entrepreneur, are you an entrepreneur? And we've talked about different styles, okay? But are you an entrepreneur because you decided to be, because there is no alternative, this is who you are, because you need to, because it's a, it's a visceral uh, root need that comes from, from, from your uh, essence, you know? Why? Why? What, what is the why behind why you do this, these things, you know? I, it's interesting because I didn't realize that what I was being was an entrepreneur until that's interesting. I was older. Like I, I was always told by my parents and by my teachers and my family and my friends that like, I had no limits that I could do anything I wanted to be and be anything I wanted to be. And This is a very beautiful thing you're saying for people who listen, right? Your teachers and your family were telling you, you have no limits. Mm -hmm. And the influence of that when you are young is huge. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, so even when I was in school, like in college, I decided with only one semester to go that I wasn't going down the right path. So I was almost wow. graduated and I called my dad and I asked him if I could start over entirely. Wow. And That's... he, I mean, he, he, he could have said, can you just finish the semester and then do a different path for graduate school? Yeah. But he, he trusted me enough to know that, no, I wanted to start over with a completely different, like, different paradigm of what I wanted to do. And so I, I started over and got another bachelor's um, and then went to the master's level. But, um, but I, I was like, I need a new fundamental learning because what I've done so far was wrong. 
And wow. Yeah. So with that, like, and that was the best thing that I could have possibly done because I I trusted that I and I had that trust and I had that support to do it. I mean, this is this is huge what you are saying because you know there are so many people stuck on 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 you know on on degrees uh, on on jobs that they are doing and the inertia the inertia the momentum uh, keeps them going but 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 they know in, deep inside that that they want to get out and I think your example is beautiful example that uh, is never too late right. To, to get 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 out out of the train and uh, board something else. Well, it's the sunk cost fallacy. It, it, people believe that the work or the money or whatever you've poured into something hmm. that you have to get something out of it. But realistically, it's it's only you only have to get something out of it if you believe that you do. And hmm. if if you have spent money on something and you know that it's not going to work, then the, you've got that learning now and yeah. there's no sunk cost. Yeah, like that's... if you, if you got a learning of, okay, this is wrong, then scrap it. So as, so I think that was when I really did learn that I was an entrepreneur or even if I didn't know it yet, that was the first clue that I'm entrepreneurial because Um, the key to being an entrepreneur is to know if this isn't working, then I need to try something else and to pivot. Oh, that's huge. And, and something that I find fascinating is this thing that you didn't really know that you were an entrepreneur until you were deep inside. Because, you know, nowadays being an entrepreneur is almost like a trend. It's almost in fashion. And there are people who's like, yeah, okay, well, let's be an entrepreneur or whatever. But, but, uh, but the organic, genuine kind of experience that you are describing for me represents the true entrepreneur that by the time you discover that there is a word entrepreneur to describe that uh, you are already you've already gone through a lot of uh, entrepreneurial experiences oh that's yeah. that's fascinating and, and i think a lot of the uh entrepreneurs that are out there um mm -hmm. the 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 key defining thing for them for me is that they will hold on to an idea Like it's mm. the only one they're ever going to have, and they won't. So, are you talking about perseverance, or no? It's it's. I think they they they're again. It's that sunk cost fallacy. They may have oh, spent years yeah, working on yeah. something, and yeah. they're afraid to admit that it's not working. Yeah. So they won't say, "Hey, I've failed here." Whereas yeah. the key is like, it's not a failure if you learn something. Yeah, totally. Like, 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 uh, yeah, like the light bulb with the 100. Uh, yeah, no, totally right. They, they need to pivot to be ready to pivot anytime. Um, but yeah, and sometimes yeah. a pivot is close your company and move on to something else. Great point. Great point. Or change your life completely. And uh, yeah. yes, yeah, to be ready to do that. But you know, but that's the that's right. That's the mystery, Heather. Right, to be ready to do something as for many people radical as that. Uh, is that something that can be learned, that personality feature? Or do you have to be kind of be born like that? Or does it, ha does it come from the education of your childhood, as you said, you know, because people were always telling you the sky's the limit. So, so I think, I mean, for me, again, like I, I had a very unique and very encouraging childhood. And yeah. I also came, obviously, from the finances of being able to start, start over school from scratch. Yeah. But, um, But I think everyone has this capability within them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you work, if you work with coaches, which I didn't until like six years ago or so. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then I loved it so much that I became one cause I thought it was very helpful. Wow. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, everyone has this ability to, to, to do that. I think it's, it's more that, yeah, maybe when you are younger, you're told, no, you, you have to be an accountant because your entire family is accountants and that's the only thing you're ever going to be. Yeah. Be good. Or, um, no one in our, our family goes to college. How, how stupid are you to think that you could go to college like that? <laughs> so, and, yeah. and college isn't right for everyone. So the, I'm not saying that you need to go to college to be an entrepreneur. Um, but the, uh, I mean, you definitely need to go to college if you want to be a venture capitalist. Yeah, <laughs> that's, for sure. that's for sure. And another, and I think a beautiful thing for people uh, who will watch this, uh, you know, for people who have kids, etc., is, well, you see what happens, right, when you tell a young person, right, that there are no limits, that the sky is the limit, then you get somebody like Heather, you know, so uh, that's that's a beautiful a beautiful example, and I think it's, it's very powerful, you know, to get from all of this, um, because because I've seen it, I've seen it so many times, you know, when when parents tell uh, younger, or, you know, older, older generations tell younger generations, oh, well, that's dangerous, or that route, whatever, you know, constraints, restrictions, and well, I think that's a beautiful thing to remember, yeah. Okay, now, going beyond, uh, you are an expert in, again, change, remote work, and the world is changing more and more. What is, in your opinion, the, the, the present and the future of uh, remote work? If we look five years beyond today, you know, uh, how is the world, uh, what's going to happen with remote work? You know, is it going to explode now, you know, that the world is uh, going through these crazy times? Remote One work. Of my- One of my favorite things that I've seen recently is Mm. um, uh, there's this meme going around that like, uh, oh, what was the uh, thing that caused digital transformation in your company? Uh, (laughs) COVID-19. Finally, nothing else could make it, right? (laughs) Yeah. People have been trying for 20 years in some companies to to get something that happened in like three weeks to to work. and. Crazy. I think some companies are now seeing what uh, people like me have been trying to to get them to see for a long time. I've been very lucky, obviously, for the last 15 years or so to, to work for companies that see the value of remote work. But mm. um, others now are, are saying, oh, well, this isn't so bad. Then there's companies like Yahoo, which allowed remote work and then said, no, well, it didn't work for us. And now we have to bring mm. people back. So I think we're going to see a lot of of that there we're going to see people that um companies that that did this temporarily and are are going to bring people back into the office um so it's going to it's going to be a combination um mm. some companies are going to realize that the overhead isn't worth it um to have big offices anymore mm-hmm. and and others are are going to say no it didn't really work out very well for us we still need to have have it. So, yeah. Uh, in in five years or so, um, I I see a big shift where a lot of these office buildings that that we have may be converted into um, things like like they have in Japan, where they're um, comfort mm. cafes. Um, oh. 
yeah. for people to go to um, and be a little less alone because there will be a lot of work that is remote. Mm, uh, but, yeah. but people yeah. need comfort. They, they, we see that now they need hugs. Yeah. They need, they need to be around people. Human contact. Yeah. yeah. And do you think, do you think that, uh, that's very interesting. Do you think that, um, meetings face-to-face -face, like regarding work presential you know meetings face-to-face -face versus remote meetings um i mean do you think that are are really meetings face-to-face -face necessary at all you know in terms of work and companies you know can we get depends, by without them it depends on uh your personality type and your business mm. type um okay. so i i see some people thriving right now Now. I'm, and in some industries, uh, yeah. like myself, I'm I'm an introvert, um, but I'm a, a social introvert. So, mm -hmm. uh, like I've I've been getting the Zoom fatigue, like a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> where, I mean, I just I can't be on meetings eight hours, ten hours yeah. a day, like like I've been because I mean one of the one of the best parts about my job is that like I I get to choose when I meet with people or not. But now it's like I have to be FaceTime with everyone. So they, they are like, oh, because there's so many extroverts that I work with and they need to be uh, They need that contact, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's exhausting. So yeah. I'm, I will be happy when we open my office again because then I can choose when to go in and not to. And, That's interesting. and then I won't need to be on so many meetings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't actually, I wanted to know your opinion about meetings in general. You know, there are a lot of people uh, who think that most meetings are a waste of time. And there is a lot of, you know, a, a lot of people, the ego, the human ego, you know, everybody, the meetings just, just go for longer and longer because everybody has to give their perspective. Um, obviously, sometimes meetings are essential. What is your view in general on meetings? You know, uh, I think that uh, a meeting should have an agenda there should be a reason mm. for it. Um, mm. And like, you shouldn't just have a meeting to have people together. And, and yeah. if, if you're, if there's no point, I mean, I, but then again, I hate standups because again, I am a, uh, I'm an introvert and I, I'm a social introvert, so I know how to communicate and I can get my point across, but yeah. I, I feel for the rest of the introverts that are just like, I, I don't know how to say anything. I can't speak up and I don't want to be here and I'm very uncomfortable. So um, like if you're forcing somebody to talk when they yeah. don't want to, it's, it's a complete waste of time. So you end up in a meeting with like certain people dominating and other people not. Very interesting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, having an agenda and uh, and that balance that you talk about. Okay, moving already uh, towards the the last uh, stage of our trip. Uh, I want to know about this coaching thing because you are a coach as well, and a lot of people uh, are dealing with uh, difficult situations today, and they don't even understand what a you know what a coach is or anything like that. Uh, regarding, uh, can you tell us in your opinion why uh, did you become a coach? And um, what, what is a coach offering to people? So I became a coach um, because it was actually one of my job requirements. Uh, no, it's funny. No, I'm serious. Like, uh, I'm an engineer. I am 100% like 
Technical. very logical. And, and, uh, yeah. so coaching to me was, was always like a, a woo woo kind of, um, like fluffy thing that I didn't believe in. And then, yeah. uh, suddenly I was taken to, uh, this person who I realized their entire job is to just ask me questions and make mm. me think about myself. Mm. And they're mm. not trying to diagnose me about anything. They're not, they're not a psychologist. They're not a therapist. All they're meant to do is ask probing, thoughtful questions mm-hmm. and ch- challenge me into mm. uh, believing, I mean, in, into understanding who I am and, and then help me to, to be better at something that is a goal of my own. And um, so after I saw results from, from that, I decided that I wanted to learn how to do that to be better at my job as a CTO um, so that I could help my own employees um, be a better mentor to them, be a better leader for them. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so, so uh, I, I went down, uh, I, I got trained in five different modalities of coaching so that I could, I could help understand. Uh, uh, I mean, my I, my EQ is is pretty low as well because I'm an engineer. So like, I don't notice social cues. I don't notice when people are. Uh, I mean, if I'm focused, I'm definitely not going to notice that. So you, upset. you 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 see yourself as more analytical than the. Yeah, the, I'm extremely analytical. So yeah. this this was very helpful to me because I was able now to mm. to notice. Explore all the emotional, not outside. just in me, but in other people, and, oh, and also have the tools to be able to help them and help me deal with that. I find this very interesting. So, do you think that actually in life, in a way, we all need some form of a coach? We all need some somebody to open our eyes to help us open our ears and eyes to other things that we don't see. Come Absolutely, on, and uh, for me, like the the kind of coaching that. That I do, and it's very rare because I'm pretty busy with my own work. So I, I generally don't take on coaching mm. clients. Like I'm not, I'm not a coach as a profession. I'm just trained. Yeah. yeah but um, like when I, when I do take on anyone, it's, it's usually like a CEO that that needs help talking to their CTO because mm. we're we're pretty annoying people. Like we 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 get focused in our work and we're 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 like robots. And, yeah, and our, CEOs uh, are, are pretty, uh, like, they're outgoing. So it's usually you've got an introvert and an extrovert that don't know how to yeah. talk to each other. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I can generally help with that. <laughs> That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Wow, wow. What a, what a diverse, uh, you know, mix of experiences and background. So I'm going to throw you now the most difficult question. Uh, because after all this combination of amazing, beautiful experiences and challenges and stress and, 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 and changes and everything. Now, tell us, for you, what is the meaning of life? What is the life's purpose? What gives purpose and meaning to life, in your opinion? What makes it all worth it? Uh, what is the point of it all? So for me, like my personal mission statement Uh, mm. is I want to make the world more like Star Trek than Skynet. So, Star Trek um, than Skynet. so everything I do is, is based around that. And, and what, mm. I, what I mean is I want a world where people are free to be creative, to be 
um, to, to achieve the goals that they want to boldly go and explore the galaxy if they want to, mm-hmm. um, to seek out new worlds, you know, and, and not to be afraid of technology, to not mm-hmm. be afraid of, of the, the things that are, that are going to enable them to, to be, um, to not be afraid of science, to not be afraid of, of technology and not be shackled by that fear. So if, if my entire life is dedicated to, to helping people be educated by the, the, or be educated about the technology that can enable them to have that amazing future that I, I know we can have even in my own lifetime, then it's all worth it. That's beautiful. I, I like a lot because uh, after what you described before about your amazing experiences and that you are uh, you are wishing and you want to contribute that everybody can uh, pursue their, their dreams and, and these kinds of experiences and to embrace technology and, and you know, and, and take it in as a, as a positive thing. Well, that, that's beautiful. And uh, what is, uh, you know, just to conclude, What is next for you? What, what is your, your next dream? What are your next dreams? You know, do you have a big dream now, like looking towards the future? You know, you have a, a, a big dream in your horizon. Um, interestingly, I mean, everyone wants to leave the house, right? Um, <laughs> yes. So my, my, my husband and I are, uh, we, we love to travel. So we're, mm. we're just waiting for the world to be ready for that again. And, um, we our our dream is to do a cruise around the world so wow beautiful um, yeah so we we hope the cruise industry uh is uh, available and i know people are like oh gosh cruises no their cruises are just as safe as anything else and um mm-hmm. we hope that they come back and we'll support them and uh go around the world We hope that it will all come back to normal and that uh, you and a lot of other people inspired by you will have uh, the kind of amazing, inspiring, beautiful experiences that you have described for us. Heather, thank you so much for connecting to the spacecraft. I look forward to sharing this beautiful conversation with the planet. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. See ya next time. Thank you for following the Beyond podcast. If you enjoy it, subscribe on YouTube and support it in other channels like Patreon and others. And hope to see you soon at the Beyond podcast. Thank you.